Hello, I'm Rose Pierre-Louis, Chief Operating Officer of the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research at New York University. Welcome to a new episode of Black Boys and Men, Changing the Narrative. Our guest for this episode is Tamika Edwards, who comes to us from Philander Smith College, a historically Black private college in Little Rock, Arkansas. Tamika, it's so nice to meet you. It is great being here. I'm looking forward to our uh, conversation. As you know, the focus of our conversation today is on Black boys and men. Yes. Um, And I know we are simpatico when I say (laughs) that you can't have this conversation about Black boys in particular without talking to black women. That's right. And so I'm really looking forward to 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 delving into this from your perspective and your unique perspective, not only um, as a black woman, but also the work that you're doing uh, around social justice initiatives at Flanders Smith, yes. uh, which is a historically black college with yes. a unique history. So maybe we can start with you sharing a little bit about Philander Smith. Okay. It founded in 1877. It was initially Walden Seminary. um, And then we had a huge donor, Philander Smith and his wife, after he passed, um, passed along funding and we became um, renamed to Philander Smith College. But so when you think of Lottie Shackelford, Philander Mm -hmm. Smith College, and when we think about those other great individuals, um, Black individuals throughout this country and state, they probably have a connection to Philander Smith College. Um, Some of our students back in the day helped to integrate um, the cafeteria at the state capitol. Um, We have been the refuge um, or were the refuge for the Little Rock Nine. Um, We now sit on Daisy Bates Drive. Um, so, so many things and so many pieces of important history are connected to Philander Smith College, and we celebrate that history every single day. We are celebrating our 142nd year as um, as a college, and I am excited to be there, happy to be there, and completely and totally honored. It sounds like a very exciting place, and the history alone Yes. Um, is extremely moving and to know that that still resonates Mm -hmm. in the school and is still valued at the school till this day. Yes. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the social justice initiative that you're leading. Yes. So the Institute was originally founded in 2007 and it went along with our college changing its mission. And so our mission now includes preparing our students as social justice advocates. So as a part of that change in the mission, the social justice initiative was created, and then it became the Social Justice Institute. And as a part of the institute, we we are charged with ensuring that the entire college we infuse the entire college with social justice, right? So if you think about English, Right. You need to think about social justice because we need to be able to communicate written and verbally what those things about social justice, um, those things are. When you think about the sciences, when you think about political science or anything biology that can touch social social justice is a part. So my charge in um, a couple of years ago in rethinking justice, we started to think how we can 
could continue to make those connections, not only on campus, but also within the community, within the Little Rock community. And so as a part of some of our initiatives, we have the social justice fellows, and those fellows are um, a part of the program and are trained um, to be to become advocates and to know what the tenets of social justice um, what those things are. And we're in our second year of our social justice fellows and um, just looking to make sure that they are connected not only on campus, in the community, but also with one of our sister organizations in the United Methodist Church, which is Hendricks College. It's a predominantly white institution. And we want to connect our social justice initiatives with with Hendricks College. So some other things that... um, we continue to think about is fully defining social justice so that people do not see social justice only as Black Lives Matter or connected only with protests, but that social justice is an umbrella for the other justices, environmental justice, education justice, health justice, racial justice, and being able to fully define that so that people see themselves in social social justice, because if they see themselves outside of it, they won't become a part of the movement. And that's the primary thing that we want to ensure. And also highlighting for individuals that their place in the movement may not be like everyone else, right? So when we think about the civil rights movement, somebody had to make sandwiches to make sure that people were able to continue on the journey. Someone else needed to stand in a room and listen or observe and understand what the other conversations were in order to inform others. And so our places in the movement are important and we should not compare what we do with someone else because we are all social justice. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Um, So understanding the scope of the initiative that you're leading, could you tell us more specifically about um, efforts to support Black male students at the school? So as a part in the early time of the Social Justice Institute, there was a Black male initiative And so we worked in conjunction with the Winthrop Rockefeller Foundation. They've been one of our um, longtime supporters and looking at initiatives of black black males on campus, um, connecting with other campuses to figure out programs, policy initiatives and other concerns um, with black men. And that's prior to my time at the Institute. I have um, worked some across various campuses but we do not have the specific black male initiative in the way it was prior to my arrival. That doesn't mean that we won't get back there, but um, we need some time to figure out where our space continues to be with the black male initiative. And um, in the community, are how are you engaging young black men? So um, not specific to any programs, but of course, you know, we have black men on our student body. Our um, president has ensured that um, black males who come onto campus are connected to the program, such as um, making sure it suits and ensuring that, you know, ties and those things that we may see as small pieces are huge when it comes to being connected to the greater community. And so we have individuals on campus who are supporting those efforts, but not at this moment. I'm seven months in. So at this moment, an extensive movement toward um, Black men and boys on campus. 
So or it's through a, the Social Justice Institute. Sure, yeah. sure. I didn't realize it. You've been there seven months. Seven months. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, it's impossible to talk about addressing inequity uh, without also talking about the role of trauma mm-hmm. in the lives of people who are marginalized by race and income. Yes. Um, does your initiative address trauma? The initiative, so throughout the blueprint, we do have um, a charge to look at mental health issues and trauma-informed issues. And so just even prior to my work uh, at Philander Smith, I was working with a group, an ACES group, that looked at what trauma-informed policies should be. And so that work is relatively new in name here in Arkansas, but I do not believe that it's relatively new in work. And so to distinguish the two, um, ACES has um, formed a legislative policy group through an organization, and they've had their second annual conference where they are bringing in speakers and other practitioners to view this um more closely. But when we look at mental health providers in the state, and of course, what our teachers have been able to give us feedback, we know that trauma has always been present. Mm -hmm. We're just now having the specific tools to focus on it um, in a way that we can connect it to various things like poverty, right? So even in reading more research about trauma-informed issues, I'm recognizing my own trauma connection to poverty and some of the things that I've done in um, hoarding money or not wanting to take specific risks or being afraid of being poor because of those things I experienced as a child. And so um, we will continue to connect. We have spoken with the individuals who are overseeing the work so that we can connect it to our work with JusticeCon, which is our annual conference. Is there training around trauma at the school or are there plans and thinking about with Justice Com and the work that you're doing there in terms are of ACES? Yes, there are plans to bring ACES work into the Social Justice Institute. And so those are the kinds of things that we're talking with individuals with right now. We'll be right back with Tamika Edwards after this break. Marking 400 years since enslaved Africans arrived in Jamestown, the film Black Boys seeks to illuminate the full spectrum of black male humanity in America through an intimate, intergenerational conversation at the intersection of sports, education, and criminal justice. With executive producer Malcolm Jenkins and director Sonia Lohman, Black Boys elevates an urgent and timely conversation on identity, opportunity, and equity to reimagine success for black males in America. This is a Never Whisper Justice film. We must prepare our black boys with skills to survive and thrive. We must also change systems and institutions. They are often reduced to just being a body. You exist in a world where nobody sees you, but everybody sees you. And when they see you, your silhouette doesn't look like you. It's a monster. These young people don't need saviors. They need believers. We're back with Tamika Edwards, Executive Director of the Social Justice Institute at Philander Smith College. So, you know, I t- said earlier that you can't talk about having uh, a conversation of supporting Black men and boys without discussing Black girls and women. Mm-hmm. So how does your work at the Social Justice Initiative recognize 
the interconnectedness and relatedness um, in the struggle to address equity, inequity, I should say, and to thrive. Well, so I I believe that we are um, making those connections and thinking of the partners that we bring on to the Social Justice Institute, right? And so um, ensuring not only that we have a place and space for Black boys and men, but also that we have a place and space for Black women, um, Black women and girls to have conversations of what those intersections are, um, that we can't just focus maybe on one particular population without them both having conversations of how they impact one another and providing that space to have those open conversations about that. So what would you say um, in Little Rock, what's the state of uh, women and girls? Hmm. Um... So the Women's Foundation of Arkansas has begun a gender study looking at the state of Black women. We recently had an event on Philander's campus looking at the entrepreneurship of Black women and what access to capital looks like. And we had a panel of business owners, which is usually different because you have a usually have a panel of um, service providers. But we wanted the perspective of Black women entrepreneurs to see if the research backed up some of the anecdotal information that we found. And what was presented was um, stories of women who did everything they were supposed to do, the right credit score, paying their bills, making sure they had investors in place, but still unable to access capital because of the discretion of a banker. And so those kinds of stories relate to what ends up happening in a household because when Black women have access to certain kinds of things, that opens the opportunities for their household. And so we want to have and we will continue to have those kinds of conversations with organizations that are looking specifically at the research, but also bringing them together with the citizens so that they understand what's happening um, in various parts, such as business, education. It's very exciting. I, I want to go back to uh, HBCUs. You have a very unique perspective, and you know that Morehouse recently announced that they will be accepting transgender men for mm-hmm. um, admission. Um, how can HBCUs recognize the full range of gender diversity in the Black community mm-hmm. and be more supportive of it when addressing students' needs. Right. So um, we are in a unique position because we are a part of the United Methodist Church. Mm -hmm. um, And some of our students are transgender. And so we have had on campus various trainings to make sure that we have open dialogue, that we have safe places for individuals to be. And the Social Justice Institute is collaborating with other organizations for a trans-queer collaboration so that those conversations um, are much more prevalent and open and people feel comfortable um, being exactly who they are without feeling as though they need to wear a mask. And so social justice is social justice. If we're going to say that we are championing justice for certain kinds of people, then that is hypocritical to the work that we're supposed to do. And so it is open. 
it um, for us to have these conversations, for people to stand up and be who they are, and for us to um, be the safe place that we need to be. That is really refreshing <laughs> to hear because that's not always what you hear on on college campuses. And right. I applaud Morehouse for taking this step and the work um, that is being done at Philander um, Smith. Um, so you you did mention this is your first seven months in first this role. Months, yes. So talk about what what you envision during your tender uh, ten tender. <laughs> sorry, your tenure. Yes. Uh, what do you hope to achieve with this work around social justice? Because um, it's a lot. It you is. talked about an umbrella of what it includes mm-hmm. and doing the education to help mm-hmm. expand people's thinking mm-hmm. around that. But um, it's a lot. It is. Uh, it's a lot. And yes. so uh, I'd love to hear your plans and uh, give us a sneak peek. Oh, wow. So um, I will repeat what you said. It is a lot. And the the scary thing is having such a large vision um, and the thought of never being able to achieve it. But that's the purpose of being a visionary is if I expect for everything to happen in my lifetime, I'm actually probably moving too fast and not doing the due diligence for the work to actually happen. And so the vision is to fully define what social justice is in collaboration with those individuals who are doing the work. Um, in a and a definition that we can be proud of, and that we can say among um, all individuals, and and bring people in to fully understand social justice, and not just one sided. That they see themselves in social justice, um, and that we can define that not only for the city, but for the state, and hopefully the southern um, region. Right. So um, what does that work include? That work includes ACEs. That, works in, that work includes um, trauma-informed work. It includes public policy at some point. Um, being on a college campus, we have the unique opportunity to train young people as social justice advocates. And so really shifting that mindset that it's great to have programs, but we also need to think about the public policies that creates social injustice. And if we are not having a full conversation about public policy, then I think we miss the boat. And so it is getting deeper into public policy. It is getting deeper into the community and having the community see themselves at Philander and in the Social Justice Institute and that we're not just there um, as an academic institution, but it's for all people to come. And you're part of the community, but I, 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 I really appreciate what you're saying about the public policy piece, mm-hmm. because I do think sometimes in our community, we feel that a resistance to engaging around public policy because yes. uh, sometimes there's a perception that we are going to be penalized by it yes. or that it's not for us yes. or that ultimately it will not benefit us and to create... Um, uh, a generation of new leaders yes. understanding the interconnected of uh, inter 
connections of it. Also engaging the community around this so that it's not just you're getting this in your school environment, but you're also in your community, whether you're talking to small business owners, Mm -hmm. whether you're talking to educators Mm -hmm. or students or or young students in school, that you're having a fulsome um, conversation and, and also your partners in government, I had the the opportunity to talk to Mayor Scott and I'm really excited about his thinking as Mm -hmm. it relates to addressing equity and addressing um, uh, relations between police and community and how do we have a broader conversation about public safety because we do care about public safety. Yes. Um, we just don't want you to throw up our our, our sons yes. against the wall yes. um, to arbitrarily profile them. Yes. Um, uh, but we want the same thing that other communities have, but um, we don't want, uh, want that. So I think that's great mm-hmm. that they have you at Philander Smith, that I know that you're going to do incredible things. Yeah. Um, and I look forward to... Um, reading all the great things that you're doing at the school mm-hmm. and the future leaders that will come mm-hmm. as a result of participating um, in your initiative. Okay. So thank you so much for being a part of the podcast and uh, looking forward to seeing you soon. Same here. Thank you so much. You've been listening to another episode of Black Boys and Men, Changing the Narrative which is produced by the McSilver Institute for Poverty Policy and Research at New York University. McSilver is committed to creating new knowledge about the root causes of poverty, developing evidence-based interventions to address its consequences, and rapidly translating research findings into action through policy and best practices. Learn more about the McSilver Institute at mcsilver.nyu.edu or on social media at NYU McSilver. Many thanks to Never Whisper Justice for their work on the second season of Black Boys and Men, Changing the Narrative. Listeners can find the latest episodes of the podcast series on multiple platforms, including Google Play Music, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. I'm Rose Pierre-Louis. Thank you for listening.